terms of value and, and where you ought to be looking? Is, is it a political issue? Because we know that, for example, earlier on, Kashida, Prime Minister Kashida, didn't su- suggested he didn't really like buybacks. Has that sort of like put people off? Is is that maybe one of the issues? Uh, I think people have to remember that uh, that we have a, a, a prime minister, not a president or a king, um, and that he's responsible for everything but has uh, power over very little. Uh, so he's made comments about um, capital gains taxes and, uh, and share buybacks. And um, I think that the market's learning to roll its eyes when he makes these comments and saying, mm, you don't have the power. Uh, the power in the, uh, the Liberal Democratic Party is, is more with the, the Abbe faction, and he's from a, a tiny faction. So, you know, he's, he's, um, he poodle begs for everything that he, uh, that he can, but that, he's not going to be given that. No, I think um, the, the point is the foreigners are, um, uh, are up to their, uh, their noses in, um, in very expensive uh, uh, quality growth stocks in Japan. And first, they're, uh, they're offloading that. Mm. And then when global markets are, uh, are stabilizing, then they can, um, they can thump in and buy some, um, some value and some high dividend yield. Okay. Well, Nick, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much. That's Nick Smith, Japan strategist at CLSA in Tokyo. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in Tokyo right now, the Nikkei 225 is down half a percent. The ASX 200 in Australia is off 1.1%. The Cosby in South Korea sliding 0.2%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to lose about 250 points at the open. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is pretty well unchanged, $86.21 a barrel. Gold is at $1,843 an ounce. And that's it for me. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Back chat's coming up after the news with Jim Gordon and Ada Wong. The weather forecast, cool in the morning, sunny periods, maximum temperature of around 21 degrees. And then the outlook is for it to be mainly cloudy, one or two rain patches in the next couple of days. It's 18 degrees right now, 85% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Andrew Shrosky with the half-hour news. So far, six preliminary positive cases have been found in one of three overnight lockdowns imposed by health authorities. It comes as Hong Kong recorded 109 cases yesterday, with dozens more at the Kwai Chung public housing estate that's at the center of a major outbreak. Todd Harding reports. Health officials have found five preliminary positive COVID cases at an overnight lockdown in Kwai Chung after testing about 525 people. No new cases were found after about 80 people were tested at a lockdown in Sham Shui Po. The outbreak at the Kwai Chung public housing estate has now grown to more than 200 cases. Elsewhere, authorities evacuated a building in Wong Tai Sin over fears that COVID-19 was being transmitted vertically through pipes. All residents in Unit E of Block 1 at Tropicana Gardens in Wong Tai Sin were quarantined. Meanwhile, a handful of residents at Fu Kung House in Taiwan Estate were moved out as their flats shared the same pipes. President Biden is holding talks with key European and NATO allies about Ukraine. Western powers are focusing their efforts on drawing up a common strategy in the face of Russian aggression towards Ukraine. Here's the BBC's Barbara Perlet-Usher. A White House statement describes the secure video call as part of close consultations and coordination between the U.S. and its allies. It will follow a meeting of European foreign ministers that was joined by the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. These are efforts to project a united stance if Russia's army moves into Ukraine by strengthening agreement on a severe sanctions response and signaling a military one. NATO has outlined a series of potential troop and ship deployments to reinforce allies in Eastern Europe. The White House is also considering sending 
U.S. forces. The British Prime Minister's office has admitted that staff at Downing Street gathered to wish Boris Johnson a happy birthday during the first pandemic lockdown in June 2020. It's the latest in a string of revelations about parties held there or in government, other government departments during coronavirus restrictions. The BBC's Nick Erdley says it couldn't have come at a worse time for Mr. Johnson, who's already facing calls to resign. This is a week in which Downing Street knew that the pressure potentially was going to come to a head. Speaking to Boris Johnson's allies around Parliament today, they seemed in a more relaxed mood than they had been last week. I suspect that this might change a lot of that because it's a very serious allegation that Boris Johnson was at an event that was principally social, that may have been involving people who were in the office, but that it was a gathering designed to celebrate his birthday. Bob Dylan has become the latest artist to sell his entire recording catalog, including any future releases. The terms of the deal with Sony Music have not been made public, but reports suggest it could be worth more than 200 million U.S. dollars. Dylan, who began his career with Sony's Columbia record in 1961, says he was glad all his recordings could stay where they belonged. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. Uh, I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Ada Wong. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, uh, we're looking at the business environment and investment opportunities here with the release of a survey by Invest Hong Kong showing a growth in the number of foreign companies and startups despite the pandemic. The government department, which is responsible for attracting and facilitating investment from outside the SAR, found that the total number of foreign firms has reached a, a record high of 9,049, up 10% from 20, 2017. The results come uh, after data issued by the Census and Statistics Department last October, which showed the number of US and Japanese companies with regional headquarters in the SAR had fallen. So what are the challenges and openings facing foreign and local businesses? And after 9.15, we'll be talking about uh, calls from the business sector for the financial secretary to give out another round of consumption vouchers in his upcoming budget. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 and we have a, a couple of guests on the line who I will uh, introduce in a moment, but please, uh, if everybody could uh, just bear with me for a second, because I had quite a few emails left over from yesterday, um, our discussion yesterday about the latest uh, developments with COVID-19 and, of course, the social distancing measures, which do kind of impact on today's topic, uh, which is the investment opportunity and the... Uh, state of the economy here. So um, let me just uh, read these first. Um, uh, uh, this one uh, from John says, uh, again, about uh, yesterday's co-host, Mike Rouse. So, dear Backchat, it's wonderful to have Mike Rouse on the programme again. His direct questions always uh, get us closer to the truth. I make these points. Doctors are not gods. They often have a very narrow point of view and allow patients uh, uh, do not necessarily follow their advice and still get better. 
Two, if Hong Kong wants to be part of the world zero COVID policy, uh, it's no more viable than a zero cancer policy. Now we have a COVID variant that is just like a severe cold, as reported by my friends around the world who have had Omicron. It is not time to declare victory, remove... Sorry, is it not time to declare victory, remove restrictions and gain neutral... Natural immunity. Sorry, I didn't read that particularly well. Uh, a number of messages here which I'm looking at kind of simultaneously. Uh, this one from Alonso says, uh, I keep hearing that Omicron is less severe, but it is apparent uh, lower severity uh, is really a reflection that uh, such large proportions of many countries, uh, South Africa, UK, USA, etc., have either already been infected and or been vaccinated rather than the variant itself. If so, places like uh, Hong Kong and China, which are stubbornly sticking with a zero COVID policy, would still be severely impacted by an Omicron spread. Correct? Question mark. Um, this one from uh, Samuel says, uh, Dear hosts, uh, we were told that uh, vaccination could help prevent us from being affected when it was introduced uh, years ago. As time went by, the virus has undergone variations while the professionals up till now are still having the same rationale, while there is no improvement in the situation. Undoubtedly, the infection rate is going up, yet the mortality rate is still low. Should we take this opportunity to review the policy? If we rely heavily on vaccination, it seems that we would keep ourselves stuck. Um, CW writes... How can Singapore do such a good job of getting the elderly vaccinated, but Hong Kong can't? We're all fed up with the moving target. Now 95%, question mark. And Bob says, uh, listening to the discussion today, I wonder about the non-vaccinated right now. Even if we have been vaccinated, then I am still required to be sent to quarantine if I'm a close contact. How about turn it all around? Send all non-vaccinated people right now to a permanent quarantine until COVID is gone or until they get vaccinated. And uh, finally, uh, from Simon says, uh, when polio vaccines were rolled out in Hong Kong, records indicated that the whole population was jabbed in 48 hours. Uh, how we have changed as a people. I'm sad that uh, the Hong Kong population is so stupid. Well, OK, thank you to everybody who wrote in there. Um, let us turn to today's topic now, uh, which is about the business environment and investment uh, opportunities in Hong Kong following the release of that uh, report by Invest Hong Kong. We're joined uh, on the line by Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia and also uh, Rita Lee, Associate Professor at the Department of Economics and Finance at Hong Kong Chuyan University. Um, good morning to you both. Uh, perhaps, uh, Mark, if we could uh, start with you. Um, so this uh, survey by Invest Hong Kong um, <clears throat> showing an increase in the number of uh, foreign businesses operating here. Uh, good news? Well, good morning, Jim and Ada. Yeah, of course it's... it's it's good news. I'm not sure if the news is so new, though, because just a quick check on the Internet, and, and that number, something very close to that number, was available in 2019. Mm. So I'm not sure if this is a, yeah. a, a great change. Also, the details aren't clear mm. as, as to who they are. There's no doubt that there are companies coming into Hong Kong. The annual survey of the Statistics Department uh, showed that, which I, which I think you, you might have referred to, the number of regional 
headquarters and regional offices in Hong Kong <clears throat> has increased. A lot of those are from the mainland. That's where the big increase is. And that's where the companies are coming in. And some of them are startups, uh, which, is, which is also good news. What has gone down clearly is, is our companies from elsewhere in the world, from the U.S., Japan, and, and other places. Maybe not a big surprise because it would happen anyway, but certainly the COVID situation in particular has accelerated that process. Yeah, the Invest Hong Kong was comparing figures with uh, 2017, so so four or five years ago. Um, uh, obviously, the last two years we've been having to cope with uh, restrictions, COVID restrictions, travel restrictions, and so on. Um, what, what's your assessment of uh, how the situation has uh, changed during that period? Oh, well, it's it's terrific in the surveys and. And I chair a group of regional CEOs who, who keep talking about this. And obviously, as the restrictions continue, it, it gets worse on, on companies, on families, on, on their employees. Look, the, uh, I used to work with Invest Hong Kong, and the Invest Hong Kong uh, website used to say, and I haven't checked it lately, that all of Asia's key markets are less than four hours away. Mm. Half the world's population could be reached within five hours by plane. It was true. That was true, but it's obviously not true at the moment. And one of the, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of employees come to Hong Kong, especially from outside Hong Kong, uh, partly because they think they can travel. That's one of the attractions. You know, the Hong Kong is a base for travel, and so that has affected uh, that has affected a lot of companies and a lot of individuals. Plus, their families are overseas. Sometimes they haven't seen them for a while. At the same time, employees are being affected, Hong Kongers, because of the changing political situation and other things in Hong Kong. So it's a combination of factors. So, so Mark, uh, you think that the main pain point is actually retaining the talents, uh, retaining the employees to stay in Hong Kong. Uh, and uh, how about attracting new talents to Hong Kong? Is it still possible these days? It, it's it's uh, you know, and I'm not a, I'm not a special in this field, but talking to people who are in executive search and so on, yes, it is. What happens then is you. It's not from the mainland. Uh, I think there are a lot of a lot of Chinese, and I I teach at at Chinese University, and most of my students are are from the mainland. They're very interested in Hong Kong, and many of them end up staying and and working here. I think it. You know, I can't can't speak for all everyone, but it, it seems to be still attractive for them, and for you know for others as well. Hong Kong still has some of the advantages that uh, many of the advantages that many people came here for. It's a it's still a, it has been an international logistics trade center, access to China and the rest of Asia, although not as much anymore. But it's generally a business friendly climate, low and simple tax system. We still have rule of law and intellectual property protection, generally free flow of capital information, and uh, a pretty safe investment environment. Those are all pluses, and they still still distinguish Hong Kong, even if there are challenges in, in some of these areas. Uh, Rita Lee, good morning to you. Morning. So what would you say are uh, uh, Hong Kong's... Uh advantages uh, still. Um, the, the article in the Financial Times um, the other day pointing out that um, Hong Kong's uh, status as a financial centre is still there for you know, obvious movement of money in and out of China, you know, China being a, the, the major engine of uh, growth in the world. So, uh, and of course, China, mainland China has uh, capital controls and Hong Kong doesn't. 
Yeah, well, actually, uh, Hong Kong doesn't have uh, uh, the capital control, which is uh, one of the very good advantage um, among all the cities in China. So uh, this actually remains to be our competitive advantage. And at the same time, because the Hong Kong guards usually for most of the companies we know well, both civil law and also common law, uh, which makes it distinguished from any other cities in China, because most of the cities in China where the companies are mainly that they have got knowledge in, uh, in civil law. So in such a case, therefore, actually, the Hong Kong's uh, cutting edge or advantage may be light on this area. And so as like Hong Kong, people usually work very fast and work very hard and high creativity. And uh, this is something for which that it deviates, uh, the, uh, that makes us different from the other cities in China as well as the other cities from the worldwide as well. And Hong Kong people usually that we have got more than like, uh, for example, we, we know at least the Cantonese, Mandarin and also English. And many of us actually know more than that. And the wide variety of languages, it also helps us to run the business in a better way because uh, there are so many people that they come from different places, they have got different culture, and then uh, they have got a uh, different background. And then uh, the creativity in itself actually comes from the international interactions. And we have got so many people that we have got the interaction with different uh, parts of the world. So uh, these, all these uh, make us uh, uh, distinguish study uh, from other parts of the world. And so that's like, for example, Arbitration and mediation, uh, which is something for which like, is, is, uh, we have got a lot of talent here. And then, uh, so in terms of like uh, the legal system in itself, uh, why people come to Hong Kong? Because of the good legal system, without doubt. And then uh, uh, this is something for which that is very important because we do business not just because of like we can make money, we have a lot of money here, but then we also need to like uh, have got a safe protection for all the uh, money that we have got in here, invest here, etc. Um, Professor Lee, what you have just mentioned uh, is actually uh, the old saying, you know, about the competitive edge uh, of Hong Kong, that we are more creative, that our language ability is better, and so on. But, um, you know, you, 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 have seen, you, you have seen that in the last two years, um, uh, quite a number of people have moved out of Hong Kong, and uh, companies are saying that it's not easy to find the right people to replace them. And uh, as far as language is concerned, uh, yes, uh, we we still speak English uh, fairly well. But I think the mainland Chinese young people are catching uh, catching up. Uh, well, well, I would say that yes, they're catching up. But then, uh, if you try to compare like Hong Kong professors and also the mainland professors, you will find that actually there are a lot of the uh, uh, Hong Kong professors in terms of languages, in terms of like English, it is far better. So <laughs> some of which like, is. Uh, we we are still better in 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 that sense, but of course there is like uh, whether or not that there are some something like, like for example attracting attendance in the short run. That of course everywhere face the same problem. Like for example Hong Kong people, by the time we talk about like flying to other places because of COVID, a lot of us also stop flying there. So actually, it's something for which it happens all around all, all around uh, the world. So not just one place or two places. And then, uh, so that is not really the old saying about like Hong Kong's languages are better, actually, because there are so many people you can see that uh, in Hong Kong that they have got more than three languages. And then, uh, there's something for which is, uh, there are still a lot of students that they are doing, uh, doing the same, that they, 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 they have got this kind of capabilities. And then, uh, uh, creativity, I think creativity rests on like, for example, uh, something that, uh, we, you can see that actually in Hong Kong that, uh, they have got, a lot of interaction with the others. And then uh, in terms of like universities, for example, we have a lot of exchanges, we have a lot of cultural uh, changes. And then uh, you will find that uh, in many of the universities in Hong Kong that there are 
uh, they have a very high ranking in terms of attracting global students. So they are top number one or three or so. So you can see that actually that doesn't mean that the competitive advantage uh, has already gone. I don't think so. I guess in the early days of COVID, uh, most of the world uh, uh, was locked down. But now in 2022, we see that uh, other countries are opening up and uh, financial centres such as London, New York, Paris, Singapore and Tokyo, um, they are now quite open and you can fly to Singapore without any quarantine. And my Singapore friends have actually got to Thailand, you know, for their Christmas holidays. And here we, in Hong Kong, we can just envy that. Do you think that you know, the, this sort of thing would impact Hong Kong's um, you know, economic uh, recovery and attraction of talents? Well, I would just say that in a short one, yes, uh, maybe that there are some sort of, like, uh, uh, if you want to find talents in a short time, then of course there's a problem because uh, some people actually don't want to come because of quarantine. That is also true. But then uh, I would say, say that because you can see that Omicron is like, uh, according to Hong Kong new uh, research, you will find that uh, Omicron, it seems that it is like, it is marching towards like, just like a flu. So if that is the case, uh, if that, uh, if we can see those in Kwai Chong, if they are not in a, a very serious condition, and most of them, they are not in a very serious condition, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the government will also open it up. Uh, by then, uh, that uh, it means that it would be more or less similar to the outside world as well. And more importantly, for the meetings, uh, for for many of the circumstances, we actually have got uh, like Zoom or other online conferences. A lot of things that we are doing in the same way as the outside world. And then, uh, in terms of like, for example, what you mentioned about like uh, uh, Hong Kong and China. Uh, for case of Zoom, for example, in Hong Kong, we can use it uh, freely, and then some of the cities in China, however, what I know is uh, on some occasions they cannot use it. So there's something for which like, Hong Kong still have got a competitive advantage, uh, advantage over there. And then uh, by the time that the COVID, I think the COVID will, will be gone soon, actually, because it's like more than three years, and then uh, we have got vaccine, and then uh, uh, what we have seen is that most of this sort of the uh, disease that actually they, they do not last very long, and then uh, three years is uh, something for which like, we may we may see Omicron's case. Uh, actually, the not really a lot of the very serious cases or like deaths. So it may be a signal to tell us that probably the COVID will, 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 will end soon. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, um, uh, Mark Michelson, uh, can I just ask you about um, a remark by um, Stephen Phillips yesterday at a news conference? Stephen Phillips, the Director General of Investment uh, Promotion, said... Um, uh, we see this continual growth of companies. We watch uh, closely changes year on year. He says uh, we've got this dynamic zero COVID policy. Inevitably, it's presented challenges to the companies and indeed uh, to their staff. But uh, what we have seen is that companies are adapting to those challenges. I mean, from the point of view of, of your members, uh, have you seen that? Have you, have you seen... Um, you know, uh, uh, new approaches and new ways of dealing with what we have to face? Well, uh, it's, that's, that's correct. They are adapting. And this is, you know, this is not based on everyone. And, and we haven't surveyed, well, we have surveyed members to some extent, but it's still a, a relatively small group. We have about, altogether, about 400 or 500 companies across the region and about uh, about 70 or 80 in Hong Kong that, that we talked to, but these are all all regional headquarters. And yes, they're adapting, but th their adaptations in many senses are moving away from Hong Kong. 
if not moving the entire, in many cases, it hasn't been the entire headquarters, but parts of headquarters and diversifying. And in some cases, when the head of, of Asia leaves, they're not replacing he or she with someone else. They're finding some other way to manage it, sometimes manage it from their from their global headquarters, whether it's in the whether it's in North America or Europe or doing something else. This is always companies are in the process of reconsidering how they manage operations and that includes uh, regional operations in Asia. But certainly COVID and the COVID situation has accelerated. So what it's done to, to many companies is yes, they've adjusted, but they've adjusted in ways that are not necessarily beneficial uh, for Hong Kong in terms of a number of people and, and companies. Uh, I mean, when you talk about people moving away and companies moving away, I suppose like Singapore is an obvious destination. It's, it's one of them, certainly. As I said, in some cases, I think of five or six companies that I can think of, of the, of the ones that I uh, just off the top of my head, of the, the ones that are members of our group, have, as I suggested, uh, the, the, the head of the region has moved away, but, but uh, the, uh, his or her position has, has also moved away to to somewhere else, to headquarters, at least temporarily, and that might be part of a reflection of the travel issues and so on. But certainly Singapore is one of the attractive areas for the reasons just explained, and and Singapore, not surprisingly, is not shy about trying to attract uh, more headquarters and businesses to Singapore and offering them uh, uh, special deals and incentives and uh, and support that, that really is really is pretty important. And they've got a lot of They've got a lot of uh, resources behind that. So, you know, that's very important, too. But it's not just Singapore. It's looking at what the alternatives are and organizing in a different way. And again, many of these issues were being considered by companies before, as they always are. But certainly this situation and the COVID and the zero COVID policy, et cetera, has accelerated that process. And so I think we're going to see changes, some of which are going to stay there, will not just go away when, uh, when COVID goes away, whatever that is. Right. Um, yeah, so, sorry, yeah, because, uh, yes, as Rita Lee was saying, um, I mean, COVID's not going to last forever, obviously, and we hope it'll be over sooner rather than later. I mean, th- there's always been movement in and out of Hong Kong, um, sure. um, you know, people coming and going, free movement sort of place. I mean, I mean, could you foresee a situation whereby once the travel restrictions are removed, things may return to, you know, how they were a year and a half, two years ago? My guess is it won't completely. Part of it is because the future of work, which you keep talking about, and which, which, is, sort of, which is sort of jargon now, uh, Companies and individuals are thinking about different ways of working, and you know many are working remotely now. They don't have to be in a in a certain place, and of course that may change because the value of of person to person contacts is is important for individuals as well as businesses and and various organizations. But also they've discovered that there are ways of doing this without having to be in the same place or be in an office and so on. So that will that will affect it, and we don't know what the ramifications are because once you start making changes, do you go back to the situation before? In some cases, some cases you don't. It's just it's just harder to do that, and maybe you've found alternatives that work as well or, or maybe even better. Um, Mark, uh, over the weekend, the Financial Times, um, you know, citing a Chinese government source, said that... Um, Beijing and the whole of China might keep its borders closed until um, later this year, in November this year, after a major Communist Party gathering. And um, if so, then I guess Hong Kong borders will be more or less closed. 
Do you think, you know, more company might get very impatient uh, this year, seeing that the rest of the world has opened up, you know, but Hong Kong is still uh, closed uh, with strict quarantine measures? It's already it's already happening because that's one of the one of the one of the uh, situations that's that's certainly encouraging companies to rethink their strategy because it looks like at least another year we've known this for a while this isn't new news and you know some of the latest information or suggestions have come out that it might be not till March of next year so even even longer than that and so if that's the situation what do you do? About uh, about your businesses, about seeing your family, about uh, uh, various interactions, etc. You have to have to think again. So certainly, this accelerates that uh, that movement away. I think we're going to have a big, uh, important point uh, maybe in the next couple of months for schools here, for example, because that's a time when a lot of a lot of parents are supposed to make decisions whether they re-enroll in the school for the following year. If there's a big change in that area, that of course will send signals, especially for those uh, families, uh, you know, those families with children in school. Uh, Rita Lee, do you think that the, the yeah. current business environment is going to uh, change things uh, significantly uh, for Hong Kong uh, in the future? After will will you know will things go back to normal after COVID, or or will it be different? Well, actually, I would think that uh, after the COVID, there are actually more and more that is like. Uh, online uh, business uh, rather than like face-to-face one because we have already get used to it. So say for instance, if you ask a student, well, can you just like uh, face-to-face all of that, they just say that, well, uh, is it possible to like uh, have the lecture in Zoom? So it means that there are some of the activities that we have already get used to, like the Zoom environment. We have already get used to the online situation. So that's something for which that it may not, I mean, uh, uh, there will be like less uh, 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 face-to-face meeting uh, after COVID. Okay, but sure. Time, yeah, we're all, yeah, we're, yeah we're, all, we're all getting used to Zoom, aren't we? Sorry to cut you off. Um, um, stay with us. We've got to take a short break for the news. We'll, we'll, we'll resume at three minutes past uh, nine. But uh, a quick look at the weather. It's going to be uh, cool in the morning. Sunny periods during the day. Uh, uh, top temperature about uh, 20 degrees. It's currently 18. Humidity 85%. Betting the killing. All three deny the charges. You're listening to the news on RTHK. And welcome back to Back Chat with with, uh, Ada Wong and with me, Jim Gould. And this morning, for our main topic, we're talking about the investment environment and uh, business opportunities uh, here in Hong Kong. Um, And a little later, we'll be looking at uh, calls from the business community for the financial secretary to give out some more consumption vouchers in his uh, forthcoming budget. Um, We have uh, with us still uh, Mark Michelson, who's uh, chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia, and also Rita Lee, Associate Professor at the Department of Economics and Finance at Hong Kong Xu Yan University. We're also now joined on the line by Felix Chung, former Liberal Party legislator. Um, um, Thank you again to all of our guests. And Felix Chung, just before we come to you, uh, I had to cut Rita Lee off just before... uh, we broke for the news at nine o'clock. We were talking about how the business environment might be changed uh, after the uh, COVID restrictions and so on. Would you, uh, do you what, just want to finish your point there, Rita? Well, uh, yeah, um, I think uh, the, the major change that we have seen is, like, for example, the offices uh, that, uh, that you have seen in, in Central, for example, 
the uh, there are some of the companies that they have rent less uh, office space, and then this is happening all over the world. Uh, where there are a lot of more people that they can choose to work for, like for example, a couple of days at home and then uh, uh, one or two days in office. And then uh, in the banking sector, for example, some of them they have already switched to this type of the style. So that it means that there's a this kind of the changing is like having uh, that we have got to change it all over the world, something like this. Hmm. Okay. Uh, thank, uh, Felix Chung, thank you for joining us. So we were talking earlier about uh, this report from Invest Hong Kong, um, comparing uh, numbers of uh, foreign firms uh, uh, established here in Hong Kong, uh, which has apparently reached a, a record high of more than 9,000, uh, and comparing that with 2017, up by 10 percent from 2017. I mean, there, there are also figures uh, uh, last year, last October, by the Census and Statistics Department showing that uh, the number of uh, US companies with regional headquarters in Hong Kong uh, had fallen to a record low in 18 years, and there was a drop in the number of Japanese companies headquartered in Hong Kong. Um, um, how do you see the business environment here at the moment? Um, according to um, the information from um um, the government. Uh, it's pretty encouraging that here we have that record high of uh, new companies setting up their office in Hong Kong. Um, but we need to know a little bit more information about what type of company uh, are they, where are they from, what sort of industries are they, uh, are they from the high-tech area or just trading or financial sector. I mean, we need to know a little bit more about that. Um, you mentioned about the startup. Yes, there are quite a lot of number of startup uh, setting up the company in Hong Kong. Uh, probably because they can see the opportunities in Hong Kong, especially the GBA area, big market. But all we all we have to understand that for startup company, I mean the successful rate in Hong Kong is around twenty percent. Um, when they can get mature, when they can be. Um, commercialized that uh, we, we have to wait and see. I mean, we have some example from Israel. I mean, the startup successful rate is over 50%. Mm. So, I mean, this sort of information we need to know a little bit more and how can they contribute to our uh, GDP, mm -hmm. uh, what sort of economic activities and employment rate they can contribute to Hong Kong. I mean, we, we have to know a little bit more about that before we can comment that whether this is a very good sign or just uh, just looking at the number rather than the quality. When you say the Hong Kong startup success rate is 20%, um, does that mean 20% of startups go on to uh, you know improve their business and the rest fall by the wayside? Um, that is the trend. Mm. Uh, but 20% doesn't mean that the other 80% uh, will, will um, disappear. They will, probably they will keep going on, but uh, in, uh, in uh, a way that they need more support in terms of financially and right. in terms of resources. Successful yeah. um, rate means uh, they can might get a bigger um, investment from uh, the other, for example, angel funds and can uh, get cooperations with um, some local local company to make them commercializations. So, I mean, that sort of things, we need a lot of more uh, data from the Hong Kong government.
So, Felix, uh, while we see an increase of Hong Kong startups, we can also see from the statistics that uh, U.S. companies and Japanese companies um, are sort of leaving Hong Kong, and um, U.S. companies with regional headquarters in Hong Kong dropped to 254, which is a record low. Now, from your network, um, uh, you know, while these companies are leaving and new companies are coming in, uh, uh, do, do you see uh, the difference? Uh, where where are these companies from? Just from your network, from your knowledge. Uh, you mean you mean uh, the new companies? Yeah, the new companies are moving to Hong Kong and and you know starting their offices here. Well, um, I, I what I understand of from my connections, there there are quite a lot of um, them from mainland China. Well, I, I do not know whether we should classify that as a foreign company. Or, or um, the, um, the the Hong Kong government hasn't—I I haven't had any detailed look of the information from the Hong Kong government where the the foreign companies are from. But there are quite a lot of uh, startup companies from 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 mainland, certainly. Um, but I worry a little bit about either what you're asking as the U.S. and the Japanese company are leaving Hong Kong, especially. Um, they don't make Hong Kong as their headquarters. Uh, before the COVID, there are so many um, uh, foreign companies, especially from U.S., uh, the European, the Japanese. They they set up their their main the headquarter companies in in Hong Kong, especially the Pacific Asia area. Uh, but because of the lockdown, I mean, they the if you think about it, Hong Kong is a headquarter, so the 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 big boss is in Hong Kong. But now. The big boss cannot go out, or even if they go out, when they come back, they have to three have to stay three weeks of quarantine. Um, the other branches in Asia Pacific, um, the the major um, senior senior management people, just they, they just cannot come to Hong Kong. Of course, they can come, but they have to stay here for three weeks in hotel. I mean, this sort of um, arrangement, of course, in terms of the health issue. It might be necessary, but in terms of economic activities, I mean, this is really pushing people away. And uh, U.S. U.S. is the second largest trading partner in, in Hong Kong. Japan is the fifth largest. I mean, have the number two and the number five, the, our major partner, trading partner, are leaving Hong Kong. I mean, this very us a little bit, especially they certainly contribute a very large number to our to our GDP. Yes, of course, we have new companies coming up, but I mean, they are smaller companies, they are startup companies. How much they can contribute to our GDP, we do not have the figure or we do not know that yet. So, I mean, we, the, the, Hong, the Hong Kong government certainly have to uh, look at that in more details. Can we regain, you know, our status as an international trade and finance center? Uh, where people can just come and to travel and to do business and to travel to mainland China. Well, this is not what's happening, right? It's uh, not know, happening. Yeah, but the when when is, can we really regain this status? Well, well, then we have to know when we the the COVID situations can be solved. Right now, initially we thought we could open up at least the mainland border in Christmas time, but unfortunately we have the Omicron situation break out. And now we definitely do not know when is the end of the tunnel. So, I mean, that worries us a little bit. But some fortunate figures from the financial secretary is uh, 
he predict there was a huge, maybe a hundred billions of um, budget deficits this year. But what um, he announced, it was much lesser than that, maybe 10 billion. So, I mean, the economic activities in Hong Kong is not as bad as we initially thought. And, and finally, the incomes for, uh, for the government has been dramatically uh, improved. So, I mean, that, in that way, I mean, that is a good sign for us. Okay, uh, Mark Michelson, um, obviously there are problems in the relations between uh, China and the US uh, at the moment and, and there are difficulties for Chinese companies operating uh, in the US or listing uh, on the, on, in the US. Um, do you think Hong Kong stands to benefit from that and that um, more companies will be looking to go public here? Yeah, well, it seems that way and I, and I think so. I think there will be a lot of encouragement to... Uh, from the mainland, and especially some of their companies who had trouble listing in, in the U.S. or have been uh, prevented from doing so. So I, I think in that sense. But at the same time, you know, Hong Kong, in terms of what we'll retain, we still have our location, and that's not going to change. So if, if we do open up at some point, uh, the, that attraction will still be there, and we still have Hong Kong people. And I'm talking about people not necessarily originally from Hong Kong, but from all over the world, from the mainland and from the rest of the world. And, you know, once we reopen up, I guess we'll still attract some of those people and that will be a big benefit. But it will be difficult to make those adjustments. And the longer we're in this situation, as, as Felix Chung was saying, the, uh, the more difficult it's going to be to make those adjustments. So you feel that Hong Kong can still retain its uh, international character? I th I th yeah, of, course, of course it can. And, and I think it will to some extent. It's a question, but it's going to change. And it already has changed, and maybe it would have already. Saying that, we still have attractions here, and that includes, we haven't mentioned the Greater Bay Area, and I know it gets mentioned a lot, but that is attractive to companies as yeah. well, and to individuals, and many of them are already active. They're international companies I'm talking about, in addition to Chinese companies. And uh, in that sense, you know, that, and the way, the way China is still developing with all its issues, it still is still one of the most attractive places to, to invest and do business in the world. So, you know, we still have that big advantage. Yeah, yeah. So what, what do these um, uh, sort of expat or non-Hong Kong uh, talents, what, what do they look for? Uh, first, obviously, you know, great opportunities uh, in Hong Kong and also GBA. What, what else are they looking for? Well, they look for learning experience, experiences that can push them forward, not just financially, but in terms of, of their knowledge and their and, and their abilities and, and so on. And Hong Kong seemed to do that. And of course, travel was part of it because in a sense, Hong Kong was usually a base. A lot of, a lot of individuals, especially not just expats, but other employees of international companies didn't spend all that much time in Hong Kong in many cases. They were, they were all over the region, all over the world. So what's happening now, and again, don't know if this is going to be lingering or not, is that several of these executives are now spending more and more time in places like Singapore. If not moving there, they're just spending two or three months because they can use that as a base, and as has been suggested, they can go everywhere else, almost everywhere else, where that's not true of Hong Kong, and that's, that's one of the big attributes of, of being here as a, as, a, as a base, a regional base or a base for at least part of the region. Okay, uh, email here from uh, listener Mark. It's actually a question for Rita Lee. Says, uh, um, uh, working from home, uh, which we were talking about earlier, 
is an option for existing and mature staff, but uh, how can new joiners be upskilled and assessed when working remotely in the same way? How can remote education provide the same quality as face-to-face -face, uh, education? I mean, Rita Lee, working from home does present its problems, doesn't it? Actually, of course, there are some problems for working from home. That's why that most of the company, by the time that they work from home, they switch already. But then they still have got, like, for example, one or two days that you have to go back to office. Uh, so that uh, it may be, like, sort of a compliment. But at the same time, they said some people that they would like to take care of the family. And then they, originally, they have to, like, uh, quit the job. But now, because of the work from home, they can actually, uh, they can uh, spend time on the family at the same time that they have work in the office. And then uh, at the same time, that is uh, in the second question about uh, like uh, uh, online education. Yeah. This is uh, the global trend because there are so many people that uh, say, for instance, you cannot fly to the U.S. to like have a lecture, for example. But then you can actually stay in Hong Kong and then have a lecture in the uh, United States. And a similar rationale can also take place in Hong Kong as well. So that what we have seen is that there are so many of the degrees and then uh, master, undergraduate, they have already switched to like uh, online or some of them, they are like hybrid. And the online one is to attract the global attraction. So it means that it's like global uh, students that they're from everywhere. So as they, they have got the computer, they've got the internet, then you can just get access to the, uh, to the education. And then uh, there are a lot of the, a lot of software, a lot of the, uh, a lot of software that you can help uh, for a, like online education because there's so many like apps, etc. that it, it can also complement the traditional education as well. So say, for instance, learning a language, uh, originally most of us face-to-face, -face, but now if you ask the students, for example, a lot of them, they have got like online lecture from everywhere. So this is something for which it is changing. So, uh, and then we expect that it will be, uh, we have got more and more of the online activities. And then for the Hong Kong tenants, uh, part of that is that we get used to the change very quickly. So this is the Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong people's style that we, we always expect that it's changed and then we can get used to the change uh, quickly. Right. Um, Rita, I, I was going to suggest that, um, you know, there are pre prerequisites uh, for working at home because um, uh, you need to have the uh, internet uh, and also yeah. your own computer and a good network. We can see yeah. that government frontline people, they were not able to work at home. For example, if you want to renew your driver's license or any kinds of license, uh, it was stopped uh, for months uh, last year. And, and you know, a, a lot of the permits and stuff, um, um, they're not online yet. So perhaps that during this semi-lockdown of ours, uh, we need to strengthen these prerequisites. Yes, right? exactly. We have to strengthen this sort of things because of the fact that there are still a lot of people that they get used to, like face-to-face, -face, talk to us, uh, for example, uh, especially uh, when you talk about those who have already get used to the face-to-face -face now. But if we talk about the like, younger generations, sometimes uh, they will just say, that, well, uh, uh, Professor, can I meet you online instead of like meet you face-to-face? -face? Because they have already get used to the, this sort of style. So it means that for the younger generation, uh, some of the activities, uh, it, can, it can be like done online. For example, renewal of the identity card. Mm. We all, we can actually do it online, right? We don't need to go to the office and then we, we, we travel. It, it, it takes time and then it takes course as well. So, so that, it is something for which that part of that can be changed. I'm not saying that all of them that should be changed, but part of them have already been changed.
Okay, well, we're out of time for this uh, part of the programme, this part of the discussion. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Um, That was uh, Rita Lee, you heard there, Associate Professor at the Department of Economics and Finance at Hong Kong Xuyan University. Thank you very much to Felix Chung, a former Liberal Party legislator, and thank you to Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. And uh, thanks to uh, all of our listeners and everybody who wrote in. I have a few more emails which I'll probably save now till the end of the programme because we're just going to turn our our attention uh, for the next few few minutes um, to uh, suggestions uh, by uh, various people in the business community that the Financial Secretary should think about um, giving out some more consumption vouchers in his forthcoming budget. And we have now with us uh, on the line um, Alan Zeman, the chairman of the Lankwai Fong Group. Uh, Good morning to you. Good morning. So, uh, Alan Zeman, um, um, the last time uh, this was done with the consumption vouchers, uh, it was uh, a big boost, uh, um, and I think especially to the catering industry. Um, What would you be hoping from the financial secretary this time around? Well, as you say, the last time uh, when it was given out, uh, I think it was a 5,000 per person consumption voucher, and I think that uh, it really did give a boost to the economy. It really helped a lot of uh, businesses, not just catering, retail, I mean, every part of, of business actually was helped by it. And uh, it, it, everyone got it. So I think that uh, definitely that's one way. But I also think what's very, very important, because business, in business, businesses are really, really suffering. Uh, it's very important that the government supports the affected industries this time, you know, like the catering, bars, clubs, tourism, gyms arts and entertainment, performers, you know, their main expenses are staff, salaries, and rent. And and because Chinese New Year, uh, all of them have been closed. Um, This is a time that I just worry we're going to have many, many bankruptcies uh, post-Chinese New Year's. And so um, I think that uh, this time, maybe like the last ESS uh, employment support scheme, uh, that was a big help. But uh, it should only be for the affected industries this time, not everyone, so that we don't use all of our reserves because it's, it's a big number. But it really did help a lot of the businesses to stay in business because I'm, I'm really, really fearful that uh, if they don't do something now, uh, I know they just gave a small amount out pre-CNY, uh, but it's, it's not enough. It's not even enough for a half month's turnover for most that's all I hear. Most most businesses are complaining. And uh, it's really important, I believe, that at this time we need to have a balance between maybe a committee where you have many of the so-called uh, medical advisors to the government who usually don't agree with one another because everyone you listen to has a different uh, scenario. Um, and I think you need to have a balance between them and also some uh, prominent business people who can also be on the committee that can really give advice so that we can have a balance because at the moment with this Omnicorn, it's, uh, as we can see, is rampant. And I'm not sure whatever measures we take that we will be able to control it like we did with the Delta. Um, Yes, uh, Alan, um, well, I think, you know, we we are not in a in a good financial situation, and the financial secretary uh, will tell us that we we have a deficit this year. You, you think that it is um, time to to spend so much uh, just on consumption? I think. Listen, the the 
reserves that we have are still a considerable amount um, if you look at it. And and uh, I think that uh, it's it's public money that's been spent, uh, used, saved, or, or you know land sales, uh, taxes, that kind of thing that is supposed to be used for rainy days like this to really help the economy. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of people without jobs. And so, I mean, it, I, I really, really worry because, you know, rents are expensive, uh, staff salaries, it's coming at the worst time uh, possible, CNY, which everybody waits all year to, you know, to experience it. And so I, I, I really call on uh, government to really have a balance between business and, and the medical and, and really come up with something. Listen, no one wants Omnicorn, no one wants to get infected, but it's worldwide, it's rampant at the moment. It's one of those things that's not as serious as, as uh, the Delta was and, and the previous ones because it's, it's upper respiratory. And so, um, you know, I've got staff in the United States uh, uh, who have got it. And uh, for them, it was nothing like a two or three or four day uh, 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 cold, you know, basically their throat was sore for two days. So I think that we really need to not panic. I understand, of course, uh, because also we have to remember Hong Kong people live in small houses, uh, subdivided flats. You know, you're forcing people to stay home. And, and uh, I don't think that, you know, it's not conducive for it. To me, open restaurants at least till 9 o'clock. Start later, if you, instead of 5 a.m. till 6 p.m., do it from 8, 8 a.m. to uh, 9 p.m., you know, same amount of hours. And, and basically, just uh, to me at least, you'll help some of the businesses survive. Gyms are closed, bars are closed, clubs are closed, you know, entirely closed. I mean, shopping malls are open, uh, retail is, you know, is open. Uh, you know, so it's, it's some of the rules, I understand them and I understand fully, but I just worry about the health of, of the people, the health of the economy going forward. Do, do you have an idea of how many businesses may be at risk? Well, it's hard to say, but I've heard, I've seen anything from 20, 25%, 10%, 15%. We'll only find out how long, depending how long this goes and depending what the subsidies are. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, everybody's in a different position. I mean, landlords generally are used to kind of helping some of the tenants. Uh, uh, and I think hopefully most landlords will. I'm a landlord myself and I do. Uh, you know, I understand uh, everything. I understand all sides. I understand government. I understand what they want to do. But, uh, you know, we just have to all work together in this. And it can't just depend on one side, which is the medical uh, advisors who are doing the best that they can. But it's something that nobody's gone to school for. You know, we're, we're learning on the job. As you say, the, the size of the reserves is still uh, very considerable. Um, do you think it would be a better use of public money to uh, give support directly to vulnerable businesses rather than um, um, giving out uh, to the public in the form of uh, spending vouchers? Or you know, should the oh, financial secretary be I considering think the ones doing that both? Are closed, yeah. Definitely yeah. Uh, would be good. Uh, but I also, you know, they're all. Uh, we we still want the economy to keep going, and and uh, you know, we know the, uh, the vouchers last time really did help uh, for businesses. You know, it's all inter interlinked, and so I think it will help. Uh, that, you know, 
it, hopefully land sales will continue what they are continuing. We can see every weekend it, people have money, and there's some people, their the land sales are very, very good during the weekends, even with all these uh, infections at the moment. So uh, there's money around uh, for certain people, but uh, I think in general, you just want to look after the have-nots. You know, yeah. uh, China's got their common prosperity, and I'm not saying to be common prosperity, but really we need to look after everyone. We, our reserves are still very, very good. And, you know, all you need is one good year uh, when things uh, are normal again, and the surpluses come back very, very strong. It's mm-hmm. mostly from land sales. And Alan, how how do you differentiate uh, between you know the uh, sectors or the businesses that are not closed and doing quite well, uh, with those uh, you know which are now closed? For example, supermarkets. I know that previously with the consumption vouchers, a lot of um, people would spend it on supermarkets on the basics, yeah, and yeah. and not go to uh, lavish restaurants. No, of course. But I mean, listen, everyone's different. Everyone uses their consumption voucher different. And the supermarkets, you know, people, some people wanted to use it for supermarkets just to get by. You know, everyone, listen, we're seven and a half million people. Everyone has a different situation. Some people have money. A lot of people don't. Our rents are very, very expensive. So uh, to me, I think it's really important uh, that we kind of help everyone, especially during these, these times. Yeah, but the supermarkets are really doing extra well, uh, you know, especially those with food yeah, holes and that's, that's okay because the money as well gets uh, flows back into the economy. You know, those that do well, uh, people, uh, you know, it it's, doesn't all go into into the savings. It all it all filters back in. You need the con- you need businesses to do well in order for the surpluses to come back. In order for people to have money, it's it's uh, you know it, it all works together. Okay. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us uh, on the programme this morning. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, that's uh, Alan Zeman there, chairman of the Langkwai Fong Group. And uh, uh, just a uh, um, couple of emails, three emails here from uh, uh, listeners uh, just before we say uh, goodbye and before we go to the new summary in Morning Brew. So Victoria writes, uh, hello, I was walking in Victoria Park last week and was very disappointed that the makeshift testing centre set up there has zero posters, zero literature and zero staff encouraging people to get vaccinated. Is this part of the zero strategy? Every government interface with the public related to COVID-19 should be seen as a golden opportunity. Uh, Mark writes, um, uh, this is in reference to yesterday's programme, which was uh, all about the latest in COVID-19, says, uh, listening to the show today is very frustrating. I have family members in the US who are vaccinated, got Omicron recently, had the sniffles for a few days and then all is fine. And I have uh, former classmates in the medical and pharma sectors who tell me Omicron is a good thing in that it's a weak variant and is progressing as expected. Pandemics end when a weak variant surfaces and populations gain an immunity to it. Therefore, a zero COVID approach at this stage is simply not productive. Happy to be proven wrong, but not hearing anything that convinces me otherwise. Um, And uh, James writes, uh, uh, it sounds from your experts that uh, hamsters 
could be quarantined rather than culled. Why is the Hong Kong SAR uh, now have to... Why does it now have a, a shoot-to-kill policy with awkward animals? People next? Question mark. I guess the administration has been watching uh, Squid Game. Oh, right. OK. Thank you very much uh, from James. Thanks to all our listeners and to everybody who wrote in. And uh, thanks to you, Ada, and to our producer, uh, Yuki. Um, so a quick look at the weather um, before the new summer in morning brew. So uh, cool in the morning, sunny periods during the day, top temperature around uh, 20 degrees moderate uh, to fresh east to northeasterly winds. The outlook mainly cloudy with one or two rain patches in the next couple of days. Temperatures falling appreciably on Saturday night. Rather cool from Sunday to the Lunar New Year holidays. Currently it's 19 degrees, humidity 84%. To prevent the spread of disease, make sure all drainage traps contain water. Pour half a litre of water into each drain outlet every week. Check sinks, baths, toilets, and floor drain outlets regularly. If drainage pipes are leaking or blocked, or drain outlets emit a foul smell, arrange prompt inspection and repair by a qualified person. Don't alter drains and pipes on your own. Visit chp.gov.hk for details. The new summary with Andrew Tarovsky. Six preliminary positive cases have been found in two of three overnight lockdowns imposed by health authorities. It comes as Hong Kong recorded 109 cases yesterday, with dozens more at the Kwai Chung public housing estate that's at the center of a major outbreak. Washington has placed more than 8,000 U.S.-based troops on a heightened state of alert amid tensions with Moscow over Ukraine. The Pentagon spokesman said if deployed, the troops would be sent to bolster NATO's presence in Eastern Europe. A court in the United States has started hearing a civil rights violation case against three police officers involved in the murder of an unarmed black man, George Floyd. The killing of Mr. Floyd led to worldwide protests over the treatment of black people. And the James Webb Space Telescope has arrived at its final destination, one and a half million kilometers from Earth. The next five months will be spent getting Webb's instruments ready to take images of the cosmos. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. And good morning to you, too. How are you doing? Excellent. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Morning. Fine, thank you. Thanks for inviting me to your show. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you. It is Tuesday. It is the morning brew. Oh, and it's Burns Night too. That is the day when Scots all over the world celebrate the birth of their country's most famous poet by pouring whiskey, with Tony, all over a weird ball of gum.